This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. Hi everyone, I'm Jen. And I'm Jess. We're the hosts of the beauty podcast Fat Mascara, here to tell you about Strivectin's new Super C Retinol Brighten and Correct Vitamin C Serum. We often interview dermatologists on our podcast, and two of their favorite skincare ingredients to recommend are retinol and vitamin C. This Strivectin serum has both in one lightweight layerable formula. It also helps to smooth fine lines, and it's clinically proven to visibly brighten and firm skin. If you want to learn more about Strivectin's new Super C Retinol Brighten and Correct Vitamin C Serum, Visit strivectin.com. Formula One. Five Lives Checkered Flag Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Checkered Flag, the final post-race of the season analysis. Jack Nichols, Jolian Palmer, as ever, capably joining me to discuss exactly what happened. I'm Jenny Gow. Uh, and Jack Nichols, if you wouldn't mind, just give us a quick run-through of what happened in the race, because it had a little bit of everything. Yeah, busy Grand Prix, wasn't it? Lewis Hamilton had pole position, led from the start, uh, but then Nico Hülkenberg and Roman Grosjean came to together. Hülkenberg was sent rolling and rolling and rolling. First rollover of the season? can't really remember another one. So, uh, yeah, there, there we go. Uh, there's your fact of the day. Uh, that brought out a safety car. And then there was another virtual safety car later when Kimi Raikkonen retired for Ferrari. Hamilton pitted at that point. He and Charles Leclerc, really the only front runners to do so. And uh, from then on, he was sort of in the midfield until everyone else pitted. And then he resumed his lead of the Grand Prix. Uh, Verstappen and Ricardo tried to close in a little bit on Sebastian Vettel. They couldn't do it. But Valtteri Bottas, the big loser, slipped down from second, overtaken by Vettel and then Verstappen and he decided to pit in the end before he lost too many places and that cost him fourth place in the drivers championship but Hamilton takes the win commanding win for a commanding season I suppose and a almost commando podium celebration taking his top <laughs> off showing everybody his tattoos whilst asking to be sprayed with champagne um Lewis Hamilton is a unique character, Jolian Palmer, but he seals such a place in history. It's Alonso that steps away from Formula One, but you really feel like this season has so many huge marker points to it. And Hamilton securing that fifth world title to equal Fangio's is another reason why this season has been historically epic. It's been a great season, but the individual races really have been, uh, have been very good. Red Bull coming into the mix at the end of the season, at the beginning of the season as well, they won two of the first six with Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, it, it adds an extra ingredient to the battle, not just two teams, four cars. It's uh, it's six cars, and the Rebels are so aggressive in their moves as well. Uh, they didn't really get a chance to show it here. They were they yeah, it just petered out a little bit, the race for the win at the end. But yeah, it's been a very enjoyable season. A lot of very good racing. I'm so, um, so challenged right now with how much we reflect on on this race, how much we will reflect on this season and how much we throw forward to next year because I'm just excited by it all. Well, we've got a special podcast coming up, haven't we? We've got a, we've got a seasonal podcast later in December uh, or early January. And so we can leave that till then. Okay, Let's so we're not, gonna, we're not going to talk about next year at all. We can do it a little bit at the end, maybe. Jack Nichols says no. So we move, producer says no as well. So we move on. Um, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about Hulkenberg's crash. Let's get down into the meat of that because it to a lap one crash, him, Grosjean came together. Um, Jolien, as a driver, just tell me, what are, you, what are you aware of when you have a big crash like that, barrel roll, flipped over after coming together with Roman Grosjean on a right-hand curb? I've never actually had one, a barrel roll. So uh, I've been Jack, intrigued you know myself, to Jenny, to be honest. 
a get barrel him a barrel roll. roll from somewhere. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I've always been intrigued myself what happens when you're upside down in, in, a, in, a, in a racing car in general. But hopefully I, I never find out. Well, here's the thing with the Hulkenberg crash. It wasn't a big crash. It wasn't a, yeah, he went upside down, but it was fairly low speed. It was fairly harmless. The interesting thing for me, if it, if it had landed back on its lady, um, on its floor, he would have hopped out and fine. There you go. The interesting thing was the halo, actually, because it did seem to stop Hulkenberg getting out of the car. And if there, and I don't want to turn this into a halo tirade because we kind of got over that at the start of the year. Jolie and I are against it, but you know, if we heard him on the team radio saying, ah, I think there might be fire, that kind of thing. If there was fire and he wanted to get, you know, he did seem a little trapped by the by the halo, basically. Because usually if a car's upside down, the driver can just wriggle out. We see that all day, every day when there are cars upside down. He couldn't hear. Yeah, the most interesting part of the crash, I think, was the panic in Hulkenberg's voice when he came over the radio, said he was hanging like a like a dead cow. Yeah, like in a in a, you know, in a butcher's shop. Yeah. So he, he was he was held in by his uh, by his belts, I guess, upside down, but he couldn't get himself out of the car. And then the panic when he thought there was a fire around. And you don't know when you're in the car where the marshals are, what's happening. Is it an easy fire to put out? Is it a big fire? How long are you going to be in there for? And actually, he was in the car for quite a long time as they were as they were turning it back the right way around. Uh, don't want to they, they didn't want to sort of grab him out as soon as possible because you don't know the risk of injury when he's been upside down and if you could do further damage. But they, there was fear in Hulkenberg's voice, I think, when uh, when he realised that. And that was interesting. And because he couldn't get out of the car easily, which is uh, is normally a requirement that you've got to be able to get out in five seconds. I mean, it was more like five minutes today. It was, uh, it was really lengthy. But in, in fairness, the marshals were there very quickly. Uh, any bit of fire was put out very quickly. So it was all relatively safe but that was a difference he was in the car for a long time I was going to ask you um, and we had a little chat about this before we came on air about how much training you get as a driver for extricating yourselves the marshals go through a fair bit of training but I don't know if anybody ever gets training for extricating themselves from a car that's upside down or the marshals get training maybe they must do you'd think the marshals will the marshals will get training absolutely and the medical teams especially yeah that's absolutely part of the uh of the job really because it can happen and you don't want to be clueless when it happens the drivers don't the when you start the year or any new driver that starts mid-season you have to do a test that means you can get out it used to be five seconds you have to get out and then put the steering wheel back on in five seconds now that was pointless because if there's a big fire you're not going to be too fast about putting the steering wheel back on you just leg it but um that was then changed this year so it's an extra couple of seconds now to get out because the halo was introduced so it was deemed the halo was a good enough benefit uh, to warrant an extra couple of seconds getting out the car because it's just a you have to clamber out a little bit higher and it's harder to get out. So five seconds was no longer practical. Um, so you have to do that. And apart from that, that's it. If you do that, then then you're good to race. And everyone passes. You don't need to do it in one go. So you basically just keep having a go until you pass it. So you don't get a lot of practice and especially upside down. Like I said, I never went upside down in, in my career so I never had a go. I don't know if Hulkenberg has. I can't think of a, a, a flip that he's had where he's at least ended up upside down before. So no. it, it's not like a common occurrence. Like it might happen once a season and you want to be dialing in for that. It just, it's just, it's a, it's a one-off in, in, a, in a driver's career, really, unless you're very unlucky. Okay. Uh, so you don't think they should bring in some sort of training for the drivers to just, you know, 
they all get together so often. GPDA special Christmas dinner. I feel like if Hulkenberg could have got out, he would have got out. I don't know what more you know. Yeah, training if, if you can, you can if you can get out, it's like. Yeah, if you can get out, then then you will do it. Alonso, when he had that big crash in 2016, he was out the car in seconds. Yeah. And it was amazing. He, it was a monster crash. Alonso's one really high speed. Hulkenberg's one was actually low speed. He just did a bit of a uh, bit of sort of flipping and bouncing, which made it look more spectacular. Alonso's one was a monster shunt, really high speed, end of the straight, launched in the air, barrel rolled it as well, ended up against the barriers. And he was out before you even really knew it. So I think that's the, the difference a little bit the uh, the halo can make there. But if you can get out, then you'll get out, basically. Okay, uh, let's move it on then from Hulkenberg. Um, were there any other clear points, um, Jack, that stood out for you in the race in Abu Dhabi? Bottas. Bottas is the big one for me. Um, another fifth place finish. That's four fifth place finishes in a row. And in that time, the top four in the championship have all had at least three podiums. Three podiums for Hamilton in the last four races. Two for Vettel, three for Raikkonen, three for Verstappen, Bottas, four fifth-place finishes. I mean, it's just not ideal at all. And to, I think to be in the Constructors' Championship winning car and not win a Grand Prix, I don't know what to say, really, because Verstappen and Ricardo have both won in, in what was clearly the third fastest car over the course of the season. And they certainly won when it was the third fastest car. So I'm not trying to start a campaign for Bottas out. No, I don't think I am. But, uh, he's, really, in. but he's really got to improve next year. Since Germany, Hamilton has won eight of the 11 races, including Germany. Germany onwards. That's unbelievable. That's almost Vettel 2013-esque. Well, it's a clean sweep, second half of the year. And he's not always had the fastest car. That's been well documented, but he's just been delivering the results. In the time that Hamilton's won eight of 11, Bottas has had four podiums out of 11, just in the top three. The team won the Constructors' title a race early. Hamilton wrapped up the Drivers' title two races early, and Bottas came in fifth in the Drivers'. He won't look back on the season with a lot of pride, I don't think. It's tough to know whether... Bottas is struggling particularly or whether Hamilton is just driving absolutely brilliantly. He's had the best year of his career. I really think this has been a sublime season for Lewis Hamilton. So that reflects badly on Bottas as well. You don't want to be the teammate of the guy that's had the year of his life. That's never going to reflect well. And in terms of pure pace, they're kind of there or thereabouts. It's not like Bottas is Stoffel van Dorn-esque where he's been out qualified 21-0 by, by his teammate, Fernando Alonso. He's, Hamilton has had the upper hand, but, you know, by tenths of a second, not half a second every race. When was the... OK, Bottas out-qualified Hamilton in Sochi and should have won the race, but Hamilton did make a mistake in uh, in Q3 or even two mistakes in Q3 to give that to Bottas. Bottas took a pole in uh, Austria as well. Yeah. Um, and Russia. And Russia. Yeah, which he arguably should have won. Which I just said. But... In the grand scheme of things, it's not... I, I don't think he's been... He hasn't been obliterated to the level of finishing fifth in the in the Drivers' Championship. There's something else going on there, I feel, you know? The first half of his season was was pretty strong, to be honest. He was he was actually... It was pretty 50-50 in qualifying. And he had some bad luck in Baku, in France. He had some bad luck. The second half of his season has been really torrid. I think it's a psychological thing for him as much as anything. And he's going to have to dig very, very deep and, and figure it out for next year because Hamilton has been driving just so well. 
And when your teammates on that sort of a run, making no mistakes, just delivering epic qualifying performance after epic qualifying performance, you just you turn up and you think you're going to get beaten by them. And you turn any sport, not just Formula One, if you turn up thinking you might lose, it's not great. You're not in a you're you're one nil down before you even start, you know. But surely if you're a number two driver, which Bottas was for at least half of this season at the Mercedes team, if you're the number two driver, isn't it almost your role to be that person? I still think you should come in second in the well, yeah, championship he... if you can, but you're sacrificing points for the benefit of, of your teammate and trying to trying to stop. I know what you're saying, but Bottas has done nothing in the last four races where he's finished fifth intentionally to help Hamilton. The that, only, I still uh, believe the only one is Russia. That's the only one where Bottas has been clearly sacrificed to help Hamilton. And that very rich vein of form that Mercedes found them in, um, found themselves in, in the midpoint of the season, he didn't come through with the goods then as well, which is the time really that you think he should have done. Where, where Mercedes went on that run and that's when he, Kind of did come in with the goods in a way, in not in Singapore, but it was that was maybe more Hamilton than Mercedes. But Russia and Japan, Mercedes were were very dominant, and Bottas should have won potentially in Russia and came second in Japan. So he, when Mercedes had the outright best car, clearly he was he was there, he was there to to pick up the pieces to potentially win in in Russia. But when it was close, he went missing as in the second half of the season. First half. He was doing a very good job. The wingman comment in Hungary, he was a he was a very good wingman at that stage. But his second half has, has, has tailed off badly. He'll be very much looking forward to a break now, I'm sure. A few months away. Stop, you know, thinking about Formula One all the time for December at least. Switch off. He's got to come back. And it's so tricky to come back after a season like this mentally be ready for the fight with Hamilton again next year. You know Hamilton's not going to switch off. He's on five championships. He wants seven. He's relentless. Bottas has got to turn up. If he turns up with the mentality that Hamilton is better than him, it'll be it'll be a long, tough year for him next year and maybe his last in Mercedes. How can you turn up with the mentality that I'm better than Lewis Hamilton? Is that even a, a possibility? Not necessarily that I'm better, but I can beat him. Like Rosberg did, I suppose. Exactly. Rosberg... Probably if you ask Nico Rosberg, he will say Hamilton is a more talented driver than him. But Rosberg got under Hamilton's skin. He worked unbelievably hard. He found the niggles and the little cracks in, in Lewis Hamilton's overall game. And he beat him. And any particular weekend, don't think bigger picture who's the more talented driver. Just think, Melbourne, how can I beat Lewis Hamilton in the same car on this one race? And go from there, race by race, just go through it. Qualify. He, he crashed in Melbourne last year in qualifying puts you on the back on the back foot actually he recovered quite well in the next few races but you can't afford that and that's where Rosberg was good at just just chiseling into uh, to Hamilton and getting under his skin and Hamilton was making some more mistakes having some off weekends because of it isn't that the same as Vettel does Vettel have to do that too uh, well Vettel's got a very different job actually Vettel's outperformed his teammate well throughout the year so Yes, he can. He will be critical of his own season. Absolutely. Everyone else will be critical of it as well for him, if not. <laughs> but uh, he's not had a bad year, Sebastian Vettel. He's but finished he's not second. One. He's not won and he's got to go away. He's got to go through the winter, surely, and assess how do I beat Hamilton? He's got to ask the same questions as Bottas. He does, but Vettel at least has won multiple races this year. He has taken pole positions. He's taken the fight to Hamilton. He's in a different car. He's beaten his teammate. And where Vettel's season unraveled is in just isolated mistakes. Germany, France, um, 
Monza, Japan, Austin, five, five key mistakes, wheel to wheel or just dropping it out the lead in Germany. That's where he's, he, he's got to iron those out. But even in the last couple of races, I feel, well, Brazil, he had a bad race, but he's been a little bit better. Mexico and, and Abu Dhabi, he's been more decisive in his moves and he, he seems to have moved on a bit from it. I feel like I've changed my mind a little bit about this championship. I felt to an extent it was a championship that, that Vettel and Ferrari had lost because to me, they had the, the, the strongest car. Over the last couple of races, I, where things have gone okay for Vettel, not a huge amount of mistakes. Okay, he doesn't have a great race here uh, in um, in Brazil, as you say. But even if you got rid of all those Vettel errors, I actually think Hamilton would have still won the won the title. I think if you'd have asked me five races ago, I'd have said Vettel threw it away. Now at the end of the year, I think Hamilton did win the title, and no matter if Vettel had kept it on the road in Germany, it was at eighty eight point winning margin in the end for Hamilton. If it was 25, you could go, right, that was the Germany thing. If it was 40, you could go, that was that mistake, that mistake. I don't think you can attribute that many points to Vettel's errors. There were a number of errors, so it wasn't just the Germany one. There was, I would say, the, the five that I just counted yeah. that, were, that cost him a lot of points. But no, Hamilton was just superior this year in general. Mercedes did a very good job as a team. Generally, at the start of the season, the strategy was in a lot of question. But as the as the year went on, Abu Dhabi as an example, really, they did a, they did a good job. Ferrari didn't do a lot wrong. Vettel third, finished second. He did a, as much as he could. No mistakes. But Hamilton was just better. So that wraps up our conversations about Bottas and Hamilton. I do want to ask you, um, Esteban Ocon out of a drive at the end of this season. Yes, he will be a Mercedes reserve driver next year. Would you rather see, and let's hope Valtteri Bottas is not in the bath and listening to this, would you rather see Bottas in there or Ocon? Fernando Alonso. <laughs> it's a valid answer in fairness, but not going to happen. <sighs> I don't think he's part of the young driver scheme at Mercedes. I think that if Ocon is in the bath listening, because apparently this is a thing now where people listen to the Checker Flag podcast in the bath, uh, I think I'd rather have Ocon in the, uh, in the bath in the uh, in the in the in the seat for uh, for next year. Personally, personally, good to know, Jolian. I think Bottas has had his chance. You've had your chance, Jolian. <laughs> yeah, if it's between Ocon and Bottas, I'd rather see Ocon. I think we've got excitement for next year already in Leclerc and in Gasly coming in. Uh, Ricardo Hulkenberg's interesting at Renault. They finished fourth in the constructors. Maybe they can pick up, but Mercedes. Do they need, do Mercedes need it to be Bottas, not Ocon for next year? Can they afford to have potentially warring teammates actually having Bottas next year if you've got a renewed Ferrari challenge and you've got a Red Bull challenge? Is it better for them and Hamilton if it is Bottas alongside him? It can work both ways. You don't want warring teammates, obviously, but you want at least teammates that can score as many points as you can get. And if Ferrari are coming second and third behind Hamilton and Bottas is fifth, the constructors isn't going to look so rosy at the end of the year. So it's it's just a it's a question of team harmony, which Bottas does brilliantly. He's been a very good team player for Mercedes. You can understand why they kept him on because he has helped Hamilton win this title. He's put him in a more comfortable position. Even the start of this race, he qualified on the front row. It allowed Hamilton a, a more simple start of the race. I guess he knew there wasn't going to be some Red Bull or Sebastian Vettel flying in a lunge on the first lap. So he's got his benefits. 
just for the sport, I'd like to see Ocon in, in that seat instead, just for fireworks and action. That's what Rosberg Hamilton provided us. I mean, if you're looking at comfortable um, teammates and who you want, Vettel wanted to keep Kimi Raikkonen at Ferrari. It's not gone that way. Charles Leclerc will come in. So you could potentially have feisty teammates at Ferrari with Leclerc and Vettel. Feisty teammates... I feel a guaranteed at Red Bull with Pierre Gasly being elevated from Toro Rosso um, and going to be alongside Max Verstappen. There's a lot of feistiness. I mean, there was sassiness on the radio. There was sassiness in the commentary box today at Five Live, but sassiness all over the place and feist for next year. Yeah, but I feel like if you have feisty teammates, they are pushing each other to get the last thousandth of performance out of the, out of the car. Whenever you look back at feisty teammates, Yes, they've cost each other points at times, but they have been delivering the absolute best they can on the day. Hamilton and Alonso, 2007. Arguably, Ferrari had the better car, and yet they were just getting the absolute last little bit of performance to beat each other because they hated each other in 2007. And sure, Raikkonen won the championship but then by they one lost point the championship in the because they were fighting each other. But did they? Or did Did they they? lose it because Alonso dropped it in Japan and Hamilton crashed in the pit lane in China and he had a gearbox problem in Brazil? They would have won the title apart from a very unlikely last three races. So I think for Ferrari, it's a very good move, basically, to get Charles Leclerc in the car, to get him nipping at the heels of Sebastian Vettel as soon as possible, even over the winter. Get Vettel in in the factory more. Get Vettel working harder. I'm sure he works unbelievably hard already, by the way. (laughs) But, you know, there's always something more you can do as an F1 driver. You can go to the beach and put your feet up and the drivers will deserve a bit of a break right now because it is such a long season and uh, it's, it's the little bit of time they get off. But you want everyone to be just going through the last bit of information in the simulator, working on everything. And if it's a bit comfortable because your teammate's not as good, Maybe one day you'll you'll not go in and you'll have a cold or whatever. You know you want there to be pressure on the on the drivers. Just got this image of Sebastian Vettel photo. Oh. I'm really sorry, I can't come into work. I've got a cold. It's interesting actually because we're going off on a tangent here, but I've never really seen an F1 driver with a bit of a cold. Yeah, but you've but not it, been around in the week, Jack, when they're meant to be coming into the simulator on a cold Wednesday morning in January. Yeah. Oh, there's colds then. In fairness, there's quite <laughs> Grand Prix in Abu Dhabi, when there's points at stake in a Grand Prix race, they no, not so on. much. They're okay. But when it's a mid-winter's day in, uh, coming into Endstone, for example, or many other UK-based right uh, factories, <laughs> Jenny, my work ethic could never be questioned. Uh, that everything else could. <laughs> everything else could. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Mic drop from Palmer. Uh, so Lewis Hamilton wins the championship. 408 points uh, in, in total with Vettel on 320. Um, just out, uh, as a, a record, Alonso just got squeezed out of the top 10 by Carlos Sainz, who was wearing the number 14 tribute helmet all weekend, which was nice of him. Uh, Charles Leclerc ended up with uh, 39 points on his debut season in the Sauber. I feel like they'll be he'll be into triple digits next year for sure in that Ferrari. I mean, you'd hope so. Yeah, uh, definitely. So I'm excited to see Leclerc next year for for sure. I think he's the driver I'm most excited about next year. It'll be cool to have Lando Norris and George Russell in the. But in terms of absolute front runners, 
all eyes on Leclerc. Yeah, two young Brits coming into uh, Formula One. That'll give us three Brits um, on the start line for Australia, which is next March. Make sure you join us then. Uh, we also have our festive podcast, so you can uh, download that from BBC Sounds at some point when we put it up. And of course, keep across the BBC Sport website for all your Formula One news. Thank you so much for being part of the show. We love hearing from you. BBC F1, if you want to keep it uh, going with the hashtags. Um, Jack, one final mention from you, please, because we're running out of time. Driver of the day. Driver of the day will be probably Max Verstappen. Julian? Carlos Sainz. Or you could say Fernando Alonso just because. Uh, thank you so much for being part of the show. You can keep in touch across the winter. Hashtag BBC F1. Uh, and from all of us, goodbye.